Hey, Redline Radio listeners, you can find us every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. I'd have to think about it. The first one's coming to mind is Patton, another guy who conquered in Europe. So, um, so yeah, Napoleon guy. I mean, I mean, the, that was a Napoleon move last night. Don't fight the Night King at night. Like, why? Like, why are you even sending the uh, uh, the Dothraki out at like the at pre darkness at that midnight? Scene was They're awesome, like, though. It was a great scene, but the, my first thought was like, why are you fighting them in the dark? Like, why don't you just wait until sunup? You it's guys initiated the battle, coming, right? Yeah, well, let them come to you. Fight on your terms, not on his terms. So that was a Napoleon move, fighting in the winter in uh, in Russia. So bad move by the Dothraki. <laughs> Napoleons. I'm learning okay. something here. Mm-hmm. All right, and la- this is my last point here. Now, Arya Stark coming in and killing the Night King, I think, meant a little bit to anybody who gives a shit about the show. You're in there, like, yeah. it was impossible not to be going crazy when she pulled that move off, dropping the dagger. No spoilers. Have we confirmed that she was in a different face or not? I was confused by that, too. That's what Portnoy said that she was in his little post game video thing on Twitter. I didn't think she was. I thought that she's trained in death and that they couldn't recognize her because she was like she knows how to go into like death mode or stealth mode or something like that. When they cut to the scene of the lieutenant, the guy with the long hair who's standing behind the Night King and they had the little wind whisper past his ear. That tells me Arya Arya has now entered that Mm -hmm. room, that scene. Like she's the wind blowing past the guy's ear. That's what. That's kind of the same thought I had, but I was still confused. Like I thought that, but I wasn't. I'm like, is that actually what happened? I don't know. I thought she had to like legit kill someone, steal their face. So like I was expecting like one of the lieutenants to be Arya, and not like I was expecting him. And then like after the guy kills the Night King, then it's revealed that it is Arya somehow. That's what I was expecting. But yeah, so I'm still confused on that. Maybe, but maybe you're right. Maybe she's just so like she's stealth. Whatever she was, whatever she was doing, she got the job done. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. came home to Winterfell amidst all speculation, reason, and doubt that she wouldn't make it from day one. Kind of reminds me of a certain athlete from Chicago. We had this argument months ago. I was ready to storm out of the room because Chief got me so mad. Is Arya Stark at all? Similar to Derrick Rose, if he were to come home and win a championship for the Bulls, could Arya Stark and Derrick Rose be the same? Could he come back and like knock off Steph Curry in a championship game? I don't think he's got that stone cold assassin in him to do so. I he see has been. He's been hardened over time. He's training with the God of Death right now. It took Arya a different training regimen and to learn a different game to become who she is. Mm-hmm. So unless he wants to be Steph Curry and be fucking three point Bob, then you know he's got to be. He's got to change up his game, I guess. Is that fair? I think he, I mean, he plays below the rim now. Yeah. He's changed his game. When you think about Derrick Rose, you don't think anymore like, oh, hardcore fucking. Arya Stark is like the baddest chick who ever lived. So I can't see Derrick Rose being that. I will say this. I think she's officially <laughs> my favorite character in television or movie history. That's how much I love and am emotionally indebted to Arya Stark. I fucking love her. I'm ready for the last three episodes. I, yeah. I was disappointed, but it's whatever. I'm out of Seattle. We got three left. You're on a Seattle. Yeah, we're on a Seattle. Well, I was driving over here, and I'm thinking, if Arya was a Chicago athlete, who would she be? And I was having so much trouble coming up with it because it would have to be Derrick Rose. You'd have to have the number one pick. And unfortunately for the Bears this past weekend, we had the number 73 pick. Yeah, because So we're not finding Arya Stark in the 2019 NFL draft, unfortunately. No, no, no. We're going to have to find like someone who's got to work their way, you know? Someone who was a diamond in the rough. Who was I- that in the show? I don't even know. Who could we compare that to? Gendry. Yeah, maybe Gendry. Bastard living like he's got all the tools. He's got the royal blood. He's got all the athleticism. He's playing fucking Iowa State, third round. Not very. I mean, that that could be him. I John Snow is your easiest diamond in the rough. You think so? I mean, the guy's on a fuck. Listen, you rewind a couple years. All right, while David Montgomery's in seventh grade, John Snow's on a fucking wall. True. Okay. True. Aegon Targaryen. Well, what do we what do we think about that in general? Do we like that pick around the room? I love everything. I mean, I never knew like saw his highlights or anything until he got drafted, and he's going to be awesome. I mean, obviously, a highlight reel is exactly that. It's all his best plays, so you don't see him fumbling or you know getting tackled behind the line of scrimmage. It's all you, you, there's no there's no such thing like a bad resume. There's no such thing as a bad highlight reel. But his highlight reel is electrifying, and Nagy zeroed in on him, traded up to get him. And he's our guy. He's going to be awesome, I think. Nagy didn't zero in on him. Eddie zeroed in on him last week. He was the first guy I brought up, just saying. And we had to put a gun to Eddie's head. Come on, Eddie. Pick Listen, somebody. Okay, so here's the thing. I know this is going to sound very convenient, but I really enjoy Iowa State football. 
I truly do. I okay. like I like the quarterback Birdie. Mm-hmm. Hakeem Butler's a stud. stud. Dave Montgomery is part of that. I think they have the most underrated coach in college football, Matt Campbell. He is phenomenal. Should have got the Ohio State job. Whatever, it's Chicago Sports Podcast. We're not here to talk about that. But what I'm trying to say is I really like David Montgomery. He's a patient runner. He's got sure hands, and he can break tackles. He's not the fastest guy, but if Nagy and Pace liked him that much to move up, that means everybody should like him. And that's just really all there is to it. Yeah, I I agree with that take. Oh, hey, here's a spin zone for you. When you're a little bit too slow as a running back, your coaches have to work that much harder to get you good matchups. So you got Nagy out there who's really scheming matchups for you. I like that. Yeah, what I like even more is that there's people actually in the building from a source, from a source, from a source, but it's a valuable source, I'll say that, says that this person said that Montgomery was his favorite person in the history of Iowa State football. <laughs> the guy is just a working man, last, you know, first on the door, last one out, Character and everybody guy. else, everyone just seems to love him, which is another very important thing you like to hear out of a guy you just drafted. Big time community guy. <laughs> yeah, big time community. They guy. say that he was really involved or something when he was a nobody as a freshman. He was getting involved in volunteering and stuff and taking action. So he's got all. Maybe he is John Stone. So he's got all the right stuff. Ed, do you have any concerns? I mean, the, the numbers look good. The highlight tapes look good. It's easy to have a good highlight tape in the Big Twelve. Yeah, is that a is that a concern of yours? Or you feel like you don't care? Well, Iowa State's different though because they're not. Oklahoma, they're not Oklahoma State. They're not. But they're playing Texas Tech. Yes, I know they're playing those teams, but they they're really them. And there's a couple teams in that conference that just play a little bit different Kansas style. State, yeah, them yeah. and Kansas State yeah. really do. Mm. And uh, like I said, I, I really believe in Matt Campbell, and he is the one that drafted. I mean, he's the one got uh, Kareem Hunt, and True. that's been his player comp. And mm. people think that he's better than Kareem Hunt. I mean, who are like? There's just and I'm one of those guys where it's like I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, hey. This team gets a B minus. I don't do that. I love, I love when people do that. I, it's fun to read. Yeah. It's fun to like play around with. But I don't do that. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, no one knows. That's no. why it's like ridiculous. All, all yeah. I can tell you is what I think Pace and Maggie were thinking, mm-hmm. and why where he's going to fit, and where he's going to fit is run DMC. It's a running back trio now. Mm-hmm. He replaced Howard. Yeah, it's Montgomery, Tariq Cohen, and fucking Mike David, and that's yep. just what it is. So that's my next question. You still miss Jordan Howard? You still wish he was still here? Or do you have faith in uh, Montgomery to be an upgrade? No, because I, I, of course, I mean, yes, of course I have faith because if they really thought that much of him to just give Howard away for free mm-hmm. and then move up and grab Montgomery, then they had a plan. Yeah. This wasn't just something like, oh, we're just going to sit on it and something's going to happen. We'll just get rid of Howard. We'll think about it later. They thought this through. Mm-hmm. They moved up and they grabbed their guy. So, of course, I'm fine with it now. Does that make sense? It yeah. does. Yeah. The thing that I, the other takeaway is. Ryan Pace just goes out and gets whatever he wants. He like, does. He does. He does. So he's tr- like, I'm not going to risk, you know, waiting around or getting my second running back. This, this is my guy. We're going to get him. So they're not going to have a ton of draft picks. So they better. They better. Oh, it'll be they, three years from now, and the Bears will be trading 2035 first round <laughs> right. picks. Yeah. I tweeted that right after. Ryan Pace. He's just. He's not worried about the next year. Yeah. He's just going to keep going until there's no yep. league anymore. Worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I'm a little surprised though that you're not disappointed. They didn't invest in your guys. Who's that? No lineman. We'll get to it. Let, let's we'll, let's let's go through the pipeline here. Third, fourth round, they took um, Riley Ridley. Tongue twister, Dave. You're gonna have a lot of trouble saying that during the season. Why do you Why do you look at me and say I'm gonna have a trouble saying Riley? Just because you have a tongue. You're a tongue twister guy. I'm not. Is Riley Ridley. Riley Ridley. Riley, Riley Ridley. They love their dogs, though. They yeah, love the dogs. Yeah, the second Georgia wide receiver they've mm-hmm. taken in as many years. And the wide receiver crop is stacked. They're so loaded. Like, yeah. the Bears are like, I don't know what they're going to do. They have so many fucking wideouts. Yeah, they cut uh, Cordell Patterson. I, I, I wouldn't hate that, but well, I'm, I'm going to leave that. You absolutely despise. <laughs> well, I know. I don't want this to turn anything because now whenever Patterson does something. I don't have any problem with Patterson. You hate Ed Patterson hates yeah. more than I hate Samuel Tarley. That's yeah. how much you hate Patterson. No, that's untrue. Because I I just need Patterson to do something first. Yeah. So regardless, not very fast, but he could get up there. He could compete. Runs good routes. Mm-hmm. They lost Kevin White. They lost Josh Bellamy. Kevin White not saying much. I know, but yeah. they had guys to replace. Uh, they went with him in the fourth round. I mean, that's just kind of like best he was available. Second type round deal. comps. He, he's a good football player. Like he I is. feel like he. You turn on TV for those SEC games, and it's like, oh, who's making a play for Georgia? It's it invariably comes up as Riley Ridley. SEC receivers have a good pedigree in the NFL. No. No, I mean, uh, yeah, they do. I was going <laughs> to say, I mean, you're going out every Saturday competing yeah. against future NFL corners, so mm-hmm. at least you know you're coming in there with someone who's physically yeah. ready. Yeah, and people who are worried about his stats, is Georgia spreads They're, it around, man. Yeah. Holy and they field. fucking run the ball. Yeah, like, that, yeah. That, that's, that's just Georgia. Don't be worried about yep. his stats. Sixth round, they took Duke Shelley, a cornerback. 
out of Kansas State. He projects to be like a uh, a nickel spot, I guess. So he's not not nowhere near in danger because now we're getting the late rounds. Nowhere near in danger yeah. of taking Prince or Fuller's job or even mm-hmm. Buster Scrines. But regardless, uh, he's kind of on the small side. But he's uh, everyone loves his coverage. All Big Twelve, which. Like we said, not saying a ton. But, I mean, if you're all Big 12 and you're, you're getting a lot of reps, that's for sure. That's very true. <laughs> you're yeah. getting a lot that's of reps. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a lot of game tape to evaluate yeah. there. For sure. Seventh round, there's a Kareth White, a running back out of Florida Atlantic University. YouTube love gangster. You guys love him, huh? YouTube love. gangster. So, Kareth White was buried behind Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary is like a legendary running back there. He's like one of the best of all time at that school. And he was just... Conference USA in general, he's just like he's just a powerhouse. I feel like people are probably like Ed's just reading this off of like, but no, no, no. Ed is like a huge from your former life when you had to watch a bunch of random ass college football. You're Mister Conference USA. Yes, I, <laughs> I, I watched a lot, lot more conference. This is USA. legit Ed, Ed's eyes only type I, stuff. I had yeah. a whole day that was like dedicated to. I'm not lying. Yeah. Every single Thursday was Conference USA day. Yeah. So he was buried behind Singletary, so that's why his stats aren't really what you want to see. But he's blazing fast. I think he ran like a four three four four something like that. Four three six at his pro day. Four three six. There you go. He projects fast. to help in the special teams game right away if he makes the team. But so I saw your tweet that said he's going to be better than Devin Hester. Can you elaborate on that? I never tweeted that. Stop with the phoniness. <laughs> All right. So here's what I love about him. He's coming from Lane Kiffin's offense. So mm-hmm. I don't know much about a Lane Kiffin offense, but I know Lane Kiffin's like a sweet guy. And you get to spend that much time in, like, the huddle and you're doing the OC stuff and, you know, like, all the spring camps and shit. Like, he's coming into the NFL locker room with a pretty good experience with his head coach. Like, I feel like he'd be coming in there with a pretty good mindset of, like, I'm here to fuck people up and score points. I like that, and I like it from an organizational depth point because Tariq Cohen is such a big part of the offense now. God forbid anything happened to him. I'm not saying that this guy is going to be Tariq Cohen, but you can you can slide him into that role and like give a lot of the same looks, even if it's you know not quite as explosive. But he can do mm-hmm. a lot of those same things. So very smart thinking. Pff, very be, smart thinking. Yeah, so. that's right. And then Tariq Cohen doesn't have to play special teams anymore. Exactly. It's going to so be him and Patterson, and that's just the way it's going to be. His load. Their other seventh rounder was Steven Denmark. Very interesting. <laughs> a six three cornerback from Valdosta State, a D two school. Ooh. He played wide receiver last year. He's only been a cornerback for one year. Seventh rounders, they're hit or miss. Most don't even make the team. So what does Ryan Pace do? Let's just take this guy. No one knows who he is. There's not Poke much film up. on him. And let's take a chance. Chuck Pagano, let's see what he could do with him. So and now we got this big-ass fucking corner who nobody knows shit about. But it's like, hey, you know, maybe he's a diamond in the rough. So that's like one of my things for the NFL draft is that I love lottery, like late-round lottery picks on guys that switch position. Like, we're, I don't even come to wide receiver. Who's the guy? Woodrow Dantzler. From back in the day, he was a Clemson, went to Dallas as a white. He was a quarterback in Clemson. So I'm always like, ooh, he's an athlete. Like, yeah, he's yeah, an yeah, athlete. Yeah. Like, teach him, teach him, coach him up on something else. It was a hockey thing last year. The guy, there was a guy who was a forward until like that year before. And he had like all the measurables. I'm like, Condre Miller, that's my guy. He's only been playing D a year. We got to go get him. So I'm with you on that. Yeah. I had no, I had, didn't know anything about the guy. When you told me he switched positions one year ago, I'm like, oh, sky's the limit for this yeah. guy. Just needs, just needs to be coached up a little bit. That was your boy, Jalen Hurd. Too running back yeah. in Tennessee. There we go. The wide receiver Stud. Baylor yeah. drafted like, in the third round. Well, he like led the nation receiving almost last year. He was yeah. he was awesome. He was very so. good. He's I know. huge too. Yeah. Then we move into the undrafted free agents, which a lot this of people is, were fucking really happy about mm-hmm. with the Bears, which is a good thing because it means that guys want to play here. We are, they see us as a good landing spot. You know, a soft landing spot. Better at that. Mm-hmm. And we got a couple two uh, Notre Dame linemen. Yeah. Which, Show which that's where I said I'd get to it later. The Harry Highstand hire is paying off already because Huge. these guys, I mean, you're part of a fucking solid program, and that, and that means a lot. Yeah, and he obviously knows them very well. He coached them for three, four years um, with the Bears. And then Alex Bars, if he doesn't get hurt last year, I think he tore his ACL. Uh, pretty, Against Stanford. Yeah, yes. yeah. If he if that doesn't hit, he was their best lineman by far last year. He doesn't get hurt. He's probably a he's a, he's a draft pick there's no way he goes undrafted if uh if he was healthy the full year because he, he was on pace to be you know See, war, it, it war depends finalist where you look. and it depends where you look and i hate doing this because everyone's like what do you mean like he was projected here every site's different mm-hmm. but some people had him as high as a second rounder yeah i've got a northwestern guy offensive lineman former captain i, I forget exactly oh yeah blake hans okay yeah, yeah what do you think <laughs> quick projection He'll get cut. <laughs> okay. I mean, I think, I think Alex Bars is going to be a good pro. Yeah, yeah. Sam Mustafer, guys, he's like he's like a smart, can play center, yeah. can slide out the guard. But Alex Bars is he's like the real deal. This guy yeah. smells like a Theo draft. 
So, like, what Theo's done is he's drafted the bats up front. Like, first two picks each mm-hmm. draft has been the best offensive available player. And then he's kind of stacked rounds three through seven, eight with, like, the best relief power pitching you can find. None of that's worked out. But it seems like Pace and Nagy are obviously prioritizing the skill positions and then trying to backfill. And maybe mm-hmm. that is part of the fact when you have Harry Heastad as, like, your offensive line coach, you have much more flexibility to hit the you yeah. know, undrafted free agent market. Yeah. No, you said that perfect. I mean, Theo and uh, Ryan Pace, I mean, just two very smart guys in the city. Two handsome, smart guys. Yeah. And, and look at what he did even with uh, with Cush last year. Like, he made Cush a guy who's been cut several times serviceable. Yeah. And then we'll, we'll end it on quickly. Emmanuel Hall is another interesting name. This was another guy some people as high up as a fourth rounder. He was uh, he was on Mizzou four three guys blazing speed he could take the top off the defense and he I, I don't know what happened with him a lot of people think the injury concern he had like a bad hamstring I think it was last year is why he felt uh, so he had bad tape yeah bad so, tape but he was I mean he was burning these teams Florida okay. Georgia you name it he was fucking he was out there running deep routes and uh, Drew Locke was hitting him in stride so. Wide receiver, like I said, it's a very, very interesting. Yeah, uh, probably a ton camp. of converse, yes, competition training camp, and then of course we, we got to get to it. They uh, signed four undrafted free agent kickers. <laughs> Let's go on top of the three kickers we have. So we now have seven kickers. We are seven kickers. <laughs> They're basically recreating that competition they had in the parking lot after the Cody. They're like, let's just bring everybody in. We're going to have seven guys in here, unless yeah. they can get Robbie. And then it's like, yep, you guys can all go So home. seven kickers to try and write Carl's Rand video. And uh, just, you know, just keep us. I appreciate it. Keep us from, you know. Well, that's everybody needs to know. They said, well, that's not good for you to do that. And the Bears are going to get mad at you. Yeah. <laughs> seven fucking kickers in the building right now. I'm yeah. pretty sure they were all watching it agreeing with me. So, Ed. Last question. Overall draft grade? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking A plus plus plus. That a boy. Love Attaboy. it. Well, that, you know what? Without having a first or second, I would say that's pretty exciting. Yeah, real exciting. I mean, I mean they, we're manufacturing excitement. They got their guy. This, right? Look, at, they're not far from being good. They didn't have. They're they're not picking at the top of the draft for a reason. So they right. got Khalil Mack. The team was like a fraction of an inch from going. Who knows? Maybe the Super Bowl. So they didn't need to add a lot. They didn't. They got what they needed. I'm. I'm really excited for the Bears. I think they. They've plugged some holes, and that Alex Bars is going to turn out to be. That's your guy. That's going to be a good. That's one. That's a sleeper, just because he's an Irishman. Now compare compare that though, Chief, because mm-hmm. let's just transition naturally, like a nice smooth hockey rink that just got Zamboni into Blackhawks talk. Like, yeah. what about the draft that the Bears did? Is something you would want to see the Hawks do this offseason? Yeah, I mean, look at filling holes. Okay, like they got a they got a lot of holes to fill. Even though Stan Bowman apparently says no, so he did an interview with the Sun Times of the weekend, which basically ter- I'm going to stop you right here because okay. I can see you getting all heated. Yeah, you need to take a chill pill. Can <laughs> I, we talk I, about? Can we talk about Herbal Active real quick? <laughs> sure, Dave. Good call, Dave. We can do that. <laughs> we yeah. can definitely do that. Yeah. So you know what? I I actually used. I've been sleeping a little bit funny, having some back issues, some neck issues tightened up i'm going to blame it on george pulling my body left and right on on walks got a little tense put that herbal active bomb on there loosened it right up felt great been taking the drops at night you take those drops at night it like it cures any sleep problem you have if you're having trouble like if you're a little restless at night really really um helps you get to sleep and then i take it in the morning too mike i don't know about you but i take it in the morning i take yeah. that and then a little coffee because it really helps you like it will give you mental clarity in the morning and then you get that stimulant of the coffee and you're you're on cloud nine after that you're ready to hum yeah i like when the coffee brings me up but you guys know my just say anxiety levels can be a little bit high from time to time mm-hmm. and uh I mean, I don't think our job's much different than a lot of other people's job that we have to get up every day and do something like we actually have to do something like I can't just sit and like blogs are going to write themselves. And that comes with anxiety because there's a blinking cursor and there's nothing that helps me manage the anxiety quite like Herbal Active. Yeah. I mean, it it really it really helps. It does the trick. And I'm not joking like that. Like I didn't even know like I'm kind of we're new to CBD. Like I'm not I was never like a, um, a user of the product before we tried I now it's like part of my ritual. So I use I use the herbal active drops in the morning, and like I said, like it really that co- combined with the coffee really put, puts me on a different level mentally. So I'm I'm ready to go. 
can't you guys even tell like how much better the ad read is this week? Like I was stumbling all over this last week. This week I you were tense. very nervous last yeah, week. You had a lot on your I mind. Was, I was out. Of, I was and if, out I of correct, if I recall correct, if I recall correctly, you came in the studio and you said, "I, I just haven't been sleeping well, guys." And uh, I'm really true. excited because I got a fresh shipment of Herbal Active. I use my promo code. What was that again? To get twenty percent off checkout at www.herbalactive.com using Redline twenty. Redline twenty. So one word: Redline twenty uh, two zero. And then yeah, you're gonna get you're gonna get that twenty percent off at checkout. So keep a, keep your uh, eye on this podcast because they're they're gonna have more great deals coming down the line from Herbal Active just for our listeners because Mike and I and I think you guys too have just it's really it's like made a difference in my life. So I didn't know anything about it before we started having them as an advertiser, and it, it's been really great. I'll give you two great examples of how C, of how CBD and Herbal Active has helped me sleep. These Cub games that start at seven o'clock <laughs> and the pitching changes in the bullpen. I'm not coming down till like eleven thirty. Yeah, you know, and then you factor in the rally sigs, a couple of responsible Miller Lights. This mm-hmm. isn't a Miller Light ad read, but we're here anyways because of it. So CBD's perfect to help you bring bring you down for that sleep. Yep. But then the other thing though is those late nights with Game of Thrones on Ooh. Sunday, particularly last night. Yeah, I never needed CBD or Herbal Active in particular. As much as I needed after the battle of Winterfall last yeah. night. I mean, you were tense. You were, so you were locked tense. up the whole the whole ninety minutes or whatever that was. So, but yeah, I mean that's that's where we are, and that's a good call because I am fired up about Stan Bowman. Yeah, I have a question: Was that even an ad read? Can we even give you a grade for that ad read, or does <laughs> that even qualify? Because that was truth. so yeah. that was so integrated. I was just dudes yeah. talking that's CBD. Re- yeah, yeah, that's just real chief for you. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna get real chief again here because. I am so tired of Stan Bowman like doing these interviews and talking to everybody like we're stupid because that that's really what it comes down. And that's to. what you're here for is to make sure everybody is actually well informed. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even think I'm doing anything special. It's like he says things and it's like, what are you talking about? So we've had the Blackhawks have had some of the worst um, defense ratings up and down the lineup, but like defensively, they're one of the worst teams in the league, highest uh, allowed high danger chances most shots allowed most goals allowed and it's not just goaltending right they've had goaltending issues the last couple of years with Crawford being out but it's way deeper than that and anybody who like is you don't even have to be a hockey fan to like turn it on and be like this is a fucking problem and it's not just the defenseman it, it's it's a whole team thing for him to come out again and say you know the past isn't always the best predictor of the future which fine you pass fucking freshman year logic class and your intro to philosophy but You've done it two years in a row with this same group, and I think he's trying to sell the public on this group can be better next year because he knows that he just doesn't. He's left himself boxed in. He's like, I drafted all these guys probably two, three years later than I should have on defense. They're not ready. Uh, There's not a lot out there uh, in the means of free agency when it comes to defensemen, so you're not going to be able to go out like Eric Carlson's a free agent, but he's going to be so expensive, and he's probably just going to end up staying in San Jose. There's not much out there. So it's like, hey, guess what? Uh, we're going to roll back with the same group, and it's going to be different this time. So that is just like, I, I can't accept that. Like, you just, I would just want him to say, hey, I fucked up. And he, in this article, beyond defending uh, his moves to the defense and, and kind of letting people know that it's going to be more of the same next year, but it might be better with the same personnel, he still defends the Terabinan trade. He still defends Assad for Panarin trade. And it's just like, I just want him to say. Yeah, I kind of like that, though. To fa- why? Like, because what's he going to do? Everyone hates be- his fucking guts. He can't give an inch. He cannot go in the media and yes, say. Yes, he can. He can? Yeah. You can say, like, hey, looking back through the benefit of hindsight, and hindsight is twenty twenty. I wish I didn't do but this. The, he's already got too. enough ammunition out there where everybody's calling for his job. Put yourself in his shoes. Well, the, for me, as a fan and someone who, like, thinks about this team all the time, I just want to know that he can recognize that he like what a mistake looks like. So either don't do the interview or be like, yeah, like I actually I did fuck that up me, and I'm going to learn behind? from it. Do you think behind closed doors he knows? Do you think you I think, don't know. Okay. I, I have no idea cuz he seems like he's he repeats the same behaviors where he like he's on he has a plan and then he changes gears and he sells you on this other plan. And then he's like, "Oh, that plan's not working. We're going to trade all those young young fast forwards and we're going to go a different way." And we're going to be offensive. No, we got to be better on defense. And he's like, "Well, I'm going to draft nothing but offensive defensemen because that seems to be kind of in vogue now." Uh, but they're not ready in time, and poof, Jonathan Taves is 31 years old today, and by the time these, got these defensemen that he's drafted are going to be ready, he might be 34, 35 years old, and the window is shut, and he blew it. 
and Kane is right behind him. They're about six months in age apart. So it's just like there is a path for them to get better, but it's not the one he's laying out. And he keeps saying like these same things where he's like, yeah, I would looking back, I wouldn't do it differently. It's like, and then he keeps trying to tell us that he wouldn't have been able to afford Panarin and Taravina. It's just not true. Like they paid that left wing spot $9 million between the Panarin overage bonus and Brandon Saad. Brandon Saad makes 6 million. Panarin's making 6 million. That's $9 million committed to that like top six left wing spot. That three million dropped off the books. So now you're really you played you paid Panarin three million to play against you last year. This year the money was equal. You'd have to pay him again this coming year. You'd be able to do it because you already know under a tighter cap space with with and an a lower cap level, you absorb nine million dollars. Go up another million. Now you're at ten million. You you cleared all this other cap space. You'd absolutely be able to do it. Stop lying to people. Stop lying to people and like just be like, hey, I fucked up and like. That's what all anybody wants. It can be cathartic for him, too. Like, that's like an act of contrition. That's, like, instantiated in our culture. You just beg for forgiveness, and America will just forgive you. So just just say, hey, I fucked up. I'm going to learn from my mistakes. We're going to get better. That's all anyone wants to hear. Stop giving these interviews where you're, you know, saying that everything that you did was that fucked up this team, this great team that you were handed, was right when it's so clearly on the ice is wrong. We have two years of looking, three years, really, of looking at it that you were wrong. So I'm, I'm, I'm fired up about Sam. It, I can tell I, my, give me more CBD. My feedback is that doing this with you and knowing you and mm-hmm. getting to know the Blackhawks organization. This seems like it's lockstep with the Chicago Blackhawks. Like, what do you expect? I mean, you can't blame an alligator for acting like an alligator. Like this is the Chicago Blackhawks. They're not going to be honest with you. It starts with whoever you want. To, it starts with Rocky Wirtz being behind the scenes and not doing a fucking thing, maybe. Yeah, maybe it starts care. with John McDonough not having any accountability. Thinking and it leads down to Stan Bowman being a, yeah. a moron. And, and there's a lot. I feel bad for you because yeah. around the table, no one has it as bad as you do. It's bad over here. Like Rick Hahn Rick yeah. basically did a fucking sit down with White Sox Dave face to face to talk yeah. about some of the mistakes. You know, Eddie's over here talking about how Ryan Pace is basically mortgaging the future mm-hmm. on winning, what, 10 straight Super Bowls, we were saying before yeah. we started recording? Yeah, I love her. Yeah. I love her. <laughs> yeah, so it, it, you're right. It is. It's like, and they had it so good. They had it so good for so long. And it's just, if, the, if they had just thrown his phone in the river like three years ago, they'd be in a much better position. All these issues are self inflicted <laughs> wounds. So uh, it, it's, it's he's on a closed circuit. He's just texting somebody. Yeah, he's texting himself. Like a, yeah. And this is like, oh, well, the clock expired on this deal. So now Brent Sieber has to walk. And it's like, well, now we have seven extra more million. Can I ask you, so. do the NHL playoffs make it worse this year? Are there is it because of what's going on? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm being serious. Is like, are you watching the NHL playoffs and thinking like this year, the Hawks could have conceivably com- competed for the cup? If Stan Bowman was an average general manager, oh, if he if they had a different like if they were manager. average, I mean, even if they even if they got in this year, like it, it's been, I mean, <laughs> he's not, he's not, doing that thing no, where he's talking no, himself into no, it. But like you're, it, I didn't know it was this bad. No, but it is it is like utter chaos in the in the like every all the both wild card teams in the West won their series. Uh, I think maybe both in the East won too, Columbus and Carolina. So it, it's it's wild card heaven this year. Dallas won. Um, so it's not Colorado one. It's not inconceivable that the Hawks, like even when, even when the playoff format was set, I was like, man, I would have, I would have loved to see what the Hawks would do against Calgary. I don't, they're not a cup team. Like they're like eventually San Jose, there's, there's better teams out there than the Hawks, but if they had managed to just stay hot down the stretch, just a little bit more, I don't know. It's not a trip to the conference finals. Not inconceivable because look at like the top, top teams, especially in the West were incredibly flawed. And they so they could have made a run. So it is like, and you're right. Like, it is disappointing. It does make it hard because it's like an opportunity loss. It's another year with like these franchise. Like these guys are gonna have statues. Like not just banners and not just like their numbers up in the rafters. They're gonna have statues out front. Guys like that don't come along very often. And uh, they got the third pick in the draft again this coming year, um, which is where Jonathan Taves is the third overall pick. They're not getting another Jonathan Taves. Okay, there's three guys picked in the draft every year. Players like him just, it's just not, they just don't come around. And there's a third pick every year. There's a Jonathan Taves once every 10 years. And it's just difficult to, to watch idly bias. You know, you feel like the sand's falling through your fingertips on this run with these guys. So I want, I want one more cup desperately. Uh, I'm excited to see what they can possibly do this summer, but I'm not particularly hopeful. Don't be sad, Chief. I'd encourage you to keep hope because, as Andy Dufresne said in Shawshank Redemption, a red hope's a good thing. Maybe mm-hmm. the best of things, and what, Chief? 
no good thing ever dies. But all men must die, as Game of Thrones has told us to. Yeah, but so what is dead may never die. There you go. So Iron Islands. Dave, you're from the Iron Islands. I want to turn it over to you. I want to ask you a quick question. Let's hear it. I saw in The Athletic today while I was doing my research, power rankings, Major League Baseball, White Sox, 27th out of 30. Your thoughts? I don't agree with that. I mean, I don't know if that's a bias speaking to me, but I would, I'd have them more closer, probably 20 to 22, 23. Um, I mean, they hit. They hit the ball, man. And I said they were going to continue to hit the ball all year. And that's even with Jose Abreu struggling to start the year. Yonder Alonso hasn't done shit. Wellington Castillo hasn't done shit. And then you got all the deadweight guys who are in the lineup day to day that expectedly are not doing shit. But you're starting to see the maturation process really come to fruition. Guys like Tim Anderson, guys like Yohan Mankata, guys like Reynaldo Lopez who fucking shit all over the fucking Detroit Tigers yesterday. 14 strikeouts, six innings, just blowing the ball by people. Lucas Giolito looks great. So, yeah, everything's everything's going kind of according to plan. They do have to start beating the shit out of these really bad teams like the Detroit Tigers, the Kansas City Royals, the Baltimore Orioles with more regularity for me to be truly happy because they have blown a couple games to those teams. But I'm happy with where things are, all things considered right now. But they're not the third or fourth worst team in baseball, not by a long shot. Would you say you're happy with Rick Renneria? Rick Renneria has been giving fucking a 7-2 offsuit to play against pocket aces with. He's got a, He's had a dog shit roster. Every year he's managed, not just with the White Sox thing. It's, this goes back to with the Cubs. Like he, he's never been dealt a full, you know, a full pocket aces. Or yeah, pocket so you kings. can't compare him to a manager that does have that hand. I'm saying so. Like take Rick Renneria and then compare to other managers that'd be dealt as you said a two seven offsuit hand is, is such as the case. Can't you make an argument that with Mankata's development, with Anderson's development, at least there's a spark? What is this, Renneria's third year in the rebuild? Third year, yeah. Okay, so in his third season, now you're seeing the two cornerstone players they need if they're going to ever be worth a shit playing at all-star levels. Mm-hmm. Is, it, is that enough for Renneria to be a fucking player? I don't know. Yeah, and, and the Ricky Renneria haters will never, ever ask the question that you just asked, which is kind of what bugs me the most. Like I, I don't think a, a major league manager has very much to do with winning on a day-to-day basis. And it's, we're going to talk a little bit about that with the Cubs, too. Just a little teaser. If Ricky Renneria is sitting in the dugout with his fucking hands crossed, what do you think the score is to that game? Doesn't say a fucking word to the team. I don't know. They're probably getting their dicks kicked in. No, they're fucking... Well, either they're know. getting their dicks kicked in or they're kicking their dicks in. If he's not if he's not forced to call for hit and runs or making a million pitching changes, if he's just sitting in the dugout doing absolutely nothing, the team's probably doing really well or really, really bad. So are you accusing him of overmanaging in most games? A lot of people do do that. A lot of I'm people asking you though. use of the bullpen. I mean, he's when a pitcher's getting teed off and you bring in a lefty to face a righty, that's kind of, who gives a shit? So, I mean, at that point, it's not on Ricky. He's not throwing the baseball. He's not swinging the bat. He's not fielding the ground ball. It's the player's hands are tying Ricky. Isn't it a sense. harder environment for these guys to be good because the team's like not that good? So isn't more of the emphasis on the manager like getting these guys ready in a position to play? Like, isn't it so? Mankata feels like he belongs at third base, and he feels like he's a major league hitter. Like, what level is that's Renneria exactly at? what a manager is supposed to do is to prepare the guys off the field to get ready to play nine innings on the field for two hours a day. It sounds like Rick Renneria is going to do exactly what I guess we were afraid was going to happen to him when he took this job. It's like you're going to ride around for three or four years. You're going to be the guy that Mankata is going to be like, man, I like playing in the big leagues. Like, this is comfortable. And Anderson's going to feel comfortable. And the team's going to come together under him. And then as soon as they sign that first free agent, they're going to fire him and they're going to bring in like Joe Girardi or some shit like that. Yeah, I don't know if the White Sox will ever pay what Joe Girardi would want. Sure, I'm just saying but like yeah, a higher level, point. like experienced yeah. manager for sure, that's like for sure. in the playoffs. Um, I Mike mean, Scotia, would, would he be interesting, Mike Scotia? Hmm. No, I think he's done for good, which he's, he's a hell of a fucking manager. No though. baseball guy like him's done for good. Yeah, that's true. But I, mean, I, I, get your, I get your point. They fired him once already. Hawk did that. Um, I get your point. Are they going to ditch him? I don't care if they do or don't. What I do know is that the players love playing for him. And they don't get too comfortable because he will pull your ass out if he doesn't see you hustling mm-hmm. the second you step on the diamond. Like, he has a good authoritarian figure when he needs to, but he also, they, they would run through a brick wall for him and they respect the fuck out of him. So that's all I really care about. If they fire him, cool. If they don't, cool. Like, I don't think that should even be a topic of conversation, really. But White Sox fans oftentimes want his head. Honestly, Game of Thrones style. So it, it is what it is. Um, I mean, Rick, Ricky Renneria is Ricky Renneria. I do like that he's bilingual with mm-hmm. the White Sox having a large Latin American roster construction. But 
I mean, if you want to get rid of them, fucking get rid of them. I don't care. Quit asking like, me that. That's like, what I'm why, getting like, at. Who cares right now? No, like, you're not even point. trying to win. Like that's the that's the point. Like that's the point you're trying to make. Okay, if this is 2018 and the, and the Sox just got their tits blown off their chest by Baltimore, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have given a shit. I've lost all patience for losing. I can't do it anymore. I understand that they're not going to be, you know, at the end of the year, they might have 75 wins, whatever it is. I can't stand losing anymore. See, this is this is a big flaw in like White Sox nation. All right. You guys are like really good baseball fans. I'd say I enjoy talking baseball with White Sox fans. Generally, Ed, you're nodding your head in approval. Can you agree? White Sox fans are diehard. They're diehard in there. I'd say they're a lot smarter than the typical fans. So then I just don't understand how you guys just don't get that like you're probably just not going to win 81 to 87 no, all, this year. We all understand that, but we're sick of it. Like, it, I can't do it anymore. Like, I've reached my boiling point. Is, is it... I mean, I think it's you just can't lose the teams that you feel like you should beat. That, like that is a big part the, of it. Yeah, yeah, if you have the Red Sox coming in town this weekend, if you lose two out of three to defending World Series, I know they haven't been good this year, but if you lose two out of three to a team like that at home, it's I feel like you're not going to be banging the table like you are today. It's, a, it's more I want to see... The team play a clean baseball game. There was a game. It was actually they lost a game against New York, um, like six to five or something. Mm-hmm. And I, I was exceptionally happy with the way they played the game of baseball on that particular day, even though the the outcome wasn't what I wanted or expected. But like I, I just can't do it anymore. I can't do the fucking losing. And it goes back to a lot of this off season, which we talked about for fucking eighty episodes straight. So the White Sox just DFA'd. Irvin Santana. I broke that trade, not to brag, or signing, rather. He made three starts. He had 13 innings pitched, $4 million, and see you later. You're gone. His, I'm, I'm assuming his career is over. Good career. Really, you know, Hall of okay, if you want to call it that. Solid career. Pitch is 37. But that's $4 million gone. Yonder Alonso, he's actually putting together kind of competitive at-bats. It's just when he does make contact, he, he doesn't fucking hit the ball. But he's getting on base at like 330 club, whatever. I don't care. That's $9 million, I believe. That's uh, $13 million total between them. John Jay, I think you were $3 million. I don't think he's even going to play this year. I don't know what the hell's wrong with him. He's hurt. He's like no one's saying a peep about him. This is his friend. That's Dude. $16 million right there. Why the fuck? Like all this dead weight bullshit. It's just you brought it in. I understand they're all one-year deals, but. But a lot. Of, I saw a lot of White Sox fans kind of saying that Rick Hunter earned some goodwill by cutting the Irvin Santana experiment so short. But he shouldn't have put himself in the position to fucking make that call. Well, then it, why didn't you? You should have had that argument ready to go when they signed him. I don't know if you can do it after 14 innings and come back and be this mad about it. Like, you you broke it, and you weren't that hot about it. Like, you weren't like, this guy fucking blows or anything. And now after 14 innings, you can't be mad at Han. I think Eddie's point is right. Like, you should give Han credit for at least being like, if he's making the best of a bad situation. They needed a flyer, yeah. Right. So he's doing the best he can right now by saying, I can't have this guy fucking pitch again. He's a bum. $4 million down the drain, whatever. Reinsdorf approved that it. it's not the fans' money, and this $4 million has nothing to do with yeah, not signing no Machado. Like, no, like, I do g- not I start that, lumping these things in because you're going to be like, well, we could have done more $16 million this year. And I don't know. They, they, they put their fucking eggs in their basket that Alonzo would help them get Manny Machado, right? They put their mm-hmm. eggs in the basket that John Jay would be a fucking difference maker. So I think that's what you're doing with that $12 million right there. And the other $4 million for Santana is, like you said, you have to take a flyer. If Santana comes out and wins 10 games and pitches like a veteran, and Ronaldo Lopez can pick up something because those two guys are pretty fucking similar when you look at their careers. Yeah, at least what actually. he had when he broke into the league doesn't look too different from that's Ronaldo Lopez. So like, call. maybe they were like, that's it. Lopez goes out there, strikes out 14, looks like a fucking stud. Santana's fucking dog shit. And they're just like, boom, later. No, I get that. But I don't think it's very good allocation of resources. But especially with after all the Machado shit went down, all of a sudden, two, three weeks after that, you see all these fucking baseball players, hitters, pitchers, catchers, whatever, bullpen catchers, coaches, they're all signing long-term extensions. So next offseason looks way more bleak than like Barron as far as mm-hmm. good, you know, yeah. put you over the top type talent compared to this offseason. Right. So it's, it's like, what are they going to have to do now? Are they going to have to start trading from the prospect capital? Are they going to have to make prospect for prospect trades? Well, I think I think you know the answer. I think it's always going to, like, this is what we talked about a long time. Where it's just like, I just don't think any of these big chip guys are going to come. And so they're just going to have to do it from within. And they're on their, I feel like they're on their way. Like, it's just, you know. Yeah. You know, yeah. They are. They're close. Oh, right. Zach Collins, he'll be, he's fucking crushing the ball in Charlotte right now. He'll be mm-hmm. up. I would guess sooner than later, um, within the next month, maybe. So, yeah. Um, it's gonna- I, I, and I will say this, James McCann. 
And this this goes back to playing the game of baseball the correct way. James McCann, he's never had sexy stats at all. Just watch him catch and play the game of baseball. He is a perfect fucking baseball player. He's just not very good at it, if that makes sense. Like, he does all the really, really small, minuscule things so, so well. infuriating to listen to. Now, what do you... What do you if, <laughs> if you took James McCann and gave him fucking... Say, can't in the say, same vein be like, we're so mad of down. not winning, and then sell me on James McCann being a perfect baseball player. Like, he's one a, or the other. You either a, want to win Major League Baseball players, baseball or you want to appreciate guys like He's James a perfect McCann. baseball player for, like, the 25th man on a, on a good roster. And this is why, and trust me when I say this, because I had nostalgia for when the Cubs sucked. Years from now, if the White Sox do get as good as they should, you're going to have nostalgia for this time, because you're going to miss out on James McCann. Just, you can't make the same argument in the same conversation that you're sick of them losing and you appreciate but James, James McCann's McCann. been he's been fucking like an offensive juggernaut and he's he, a, okay I mean so they're kind of getting lucky with him but I watch how he receives how he controls the game he took a, he had a delayed steal the other day standing up I'll be fair to Dave a delay steal is like worth 20 points for a guy like if you're an average <laughs> like, player and you delay steal that's like the biggest boner inducing play because the people who delay steal are slow guys on the baseball that field they're fat you know unathletic guys and you you look at that it's it's it shows me that his head is like so micro focused on the pitcher and what he's doing i'm going to take a free base so what you do it's with a delay like steal chief is you mm-hmm. wait until the catcher throw like you basically wait until the catchers like receive the ball and then you break for second Did you watch base. a Cubs game last night? No. Yeah, he was in and out of it. We were texting each other, but just like Contreras does do it. it. It's a smart. It's like a if you're. It's a heads up play or it's an aggressive player play. Javi does it all the time. Mm. Like it's the type of thing. If David Ross was swiping a bag, like that's how okay. he would do it. Like Anthony Rizzo will do it. Yeah. And again, what you're doing is you're catching the shortstop in the second at second base sleeping. and snapping. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So napping, sleeping, snapping. So that's that. Just. He's a good baseball player. I like him. Good signing. But the rest of it just fucking flame on. Yeah. We have what we have this year. There are reinforcements on the way. Cons is going to be up soon. Uh, Zach Birdie, Donner's Grove kid, he's going to be up probably mid-season or so. Uh, spent a first-round pick on him uh, as a reliever. I so does it matter when these guys come? I don't know what if it matters when these guys come up listening to you talk because you're saying you don't care if they win or yeah, not. So I'm like, can to... I be excited about these players? I'm, I'm trying to follow this. Like, are Should you... I be excited about these prospects? Yes. Or should they be trying to win games? Like what? I'm just not following where the excitement is. So you're is there ex- any way for you to be happy this year, or is it just going to be this every week? I, we come no, in? I want, I want. Okay, so say, all right, Vegas over under has them at 75 wins. For me to be happy, I want them at 80 wins. I want them to have the fucking best possible season they can have for how their roster is constructed. So I'm not saying playoffs or anything because that's a fucking pipe dream. That'll yeah. never in a million years happen. But you just don't want to be disgusted when you turn on your team. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? Be more specific. I mean, I would say at the end of the year, you want a team that you can go sell on in the free agent market as a team pitchers need to come to. Like, the, the only thing we're missing is you. The only thing we're missing is somebody you can come Garrett over here Cole. and throw fucking strikes. Let's do it. Right? Because the offense is in place, the lineup's in place, the defense is in place. It'd be like no different than if the Cubs were hitting the free agent market after mm-hmm. their 2-7 and seven start. And they said, we just need pitching. Yeah. We're 2-7 and seven to start the season. They don't need pitching anymore, though. They do not, Chief. <laughs> I mean, it's lights out. They don't need any pitching. Jose Quintana leading the way, four starts, 26 innings, giving up 19 hits, 27 strikeouts, two walks. The Cubs are 4-0 in his starts. He's limited hitters to a 514 OPS against. Mm-hmm. For context, last year, Chris Davis had the worst OPS in the last 36 years. Surprise, surprise. It was 540. So in the four games Jose Quintana's been on this roll, the average hitter in the over these it's a small sample size, but just for context of like what the other hitter looks like against Jose Quintana in these four starts. It's the worst hitter ever. Is approximately ten percent <laughs> worse than the worst hitter of all time. Yeah. So he, he's doing okay. A yeah. lot of questions though that follow is Dave, how's he doing it? How do you think he's doing it, Dave? I noticed his tempo and his pace was light years faster. Light years. Than what it had been previously. He's getting the ball and he's throwing it. And I've always loved Q as a pitcher. I got a soft spot for him. Like you said, he's one of the guys that kind of helped reshape the White Sox in the rebuild after they traded him for Eloy. He is notoriously slow yeah. on the mound. Yeah. It's like fucking watching paint Just drive. slow and sweaty. Just slow, and he sits there and yeah, he's set. And, and he's that's very, I think that's representative, though, of like his approach to hitters as he's come over to the Cubs is he's been significantly less aggressive, and he's been more like, I want to make the perfect pitch, so I'm going to take a little bit longer in between each pitch. And this year, what he's done, he's he's almost doubled his changeup usage. Now, stay with me for a second because his changeup change his changeup sucks though. Huh. And so, like, it's like well, it's he's throwing average, it a yeah. lot more now. Over a hundred pitches, mm-hmm. his changeups grades out like negative five, meaning 
against a hundred major league changeups, his mm-hmm. will be like a will be five percent less average. It'll be five percent okay. less. It's not a good changeup. Mm-hmm. He's still throwing it more though. Eddie, why do you think? I don't know. Because it <laughs> fucks if it fucks with the timing. As long yeah. as you're showing a fucking changeup, okay? I'm gonna bring it back to you for another analogy, Ed. Okay? okay. It's the second quarter. The Vikings front seven's been particularly ferocious this November afternoon. And Nagy's out there on second and eight, and he's still running the fucking ball. There's a reason why. Even if they're only going to get a yard or two. Why? Set them up. Keep, keep those them fuck- honest. Yeah, got to keep the linebackers honest. Got to keep the safeties honest. And that's the exact, literally the analogy is identical to the changeup. When you call run play, obviously you want to break it off five, six, seven yards, get a first down, whatever it is. But there is always that inherent value when you call run play of keeping the defense in check for another play. And I think that's the exact same thing can apply with a changeup. Quintana over his last four starts has doubled his changeup usage because that allows him to be more aggressive with his fastball because the hitters see a different speed. It's as simple as that. The guy is literally winning his trade back. He's winning his <laughs> trade back for a season in menace. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. No, but if yeah. he pitches, like, I'm not saying he's going to pitch like this the whole season, but if you pitch at the top of the rotation like this at $7 million, this is why they got that's, him. That's my question. Is the tempo thing sustainable? Like, is he going to come to a big game or the playoffs and be like, oh, like, I'm slowing it down. Like, I, I don't feel great or, now because or even, it means a lot. Or even more a, than that, is there going to be, like, how long until, the, like, the book is out on that? And, like, Pete, can hitters adjust to, like, yeah, oh, like, of course. It's right. a game of chess. Right. So how long before that happens? Right. So he's being just traditionally more aggressive within the strike zone. Mm-hmm. I see people trying to make it. It's a hard thing to adapt to, though. Okay. Like, that's not necessarily the difference where it'd be, like, where you're adapting to is, like, he's going to start me with cutters, mm-hmm. and then he's going to pit. It's mm-hmm. a more of a one-on-one thing. For across an entire lineup to adapt to the way Jose Quintana's pitching is, you got to basically move up in the box, and you got to be ready to swing at the first pitch, and that's a wholesale change for a lot of players. So, and that makes your fastball all the better. I got real deep on this a couple of weeks ago, talking about how how the Cubs pitching staff is like way different than the Major League Baseball, and how that's trending. Yeah. And Jose Quintana, and this is a perfect example of like changeups over the plate, getting the hitters early action, basically being like "fuck you, here it is, put it in play," because you're seeing a lot of hitters on an individual basis are getting in the box and being like. I'm getting my 2-0 cookie. I'm getting my 3-1 cookie. Well, guess mm-hmm. what happens? It's Now it's 0-2 real quick because yep. it's not the pitch you want, but it's still in the strike zone. So I think there's this tendency, be more aggressive, and that's the Cubs pitching staff, particularly starting pitcher, fucking, even though Hamels had a couple walks, but Darvish, 56 Darvish. pitches through the first uh, two innings on Saturday night and then just fucking cruised from there for the last four innings. What causes a sea change like this from the whole staff? Is it something where it's like how to be the pitching coach? Okay, so are they all kind of doing similar things to to get on the same page, or is it everyone's just a little bit different? But it's just working. Everyone's so, working their own plan. So for Q one on one with Hadavi has been the biggest difference amongst mm-hmm. the five. That's what they've said. Hendricks didn't need much tinkering because Hendricks isn't going to change much. But what we saw from Quintana when he came over from the White Sox to the Cubs was a different pitcher. Like he just wasn't in yeah. the strike zone as right. much. He was going for like strikeouts and trying. He still did fine after the trade. The Cubs picked up. They made it to the NLCS, all that stuff. But we didn't see the guy they traded for. Hadavi, the new pitching coach, has been really like with Jose on video in small little adjustments. Okay. Okay. So Hendricks isn't the type of guy to make those kind of like Hendricks is Hendricks. He's off on his own doing yep. his own thing. John Lester's at that point in his mm-hmm. career. Paul Hamels is at that point in his career. But then look at Tyler Chatwood's resurrection. He's so aggressive in the strike zone yep. now, right? We've only seen that from those two last appearances. But if that's a change, that is directly because Hadavi and that ties together with the Q thing. If be more aggressive in the strike zone. Stop pussyfooting around. Stop trying to be perfect. It's fucking baseball. Go out and play it. So I have that done on Q. Addison Russell comes back. On May 3rd, he's eligible to come back, and allegedly they gave him a standing ovation in Iowa on Wednesday. I'm going to catch my breath for a second, organize my thoughts. I want to hear your thoughts on that. Who gave him a standing ovation? I, actually, Iowa I, can, I read that Triple A Iowa, like the fans. So I actually have a buddy who works in media in Des Moines, and he said that at that at those baseball games, like the fans... They're obviously not major league baseball games, so they t- cheer literally everybody, and they're kind of removed from storylines like this. And that if they had known what they, what and who they were cheering like, for, they're not particularly aware that they're cheering exactly for the World Series right. champion shortstop says come back. Well, thank God that that's a good explanation. I can wrap my it's, head around because it doesn't make any they sense. cheer everybody when they come to play because they're the local team. Basically, now, it's gonna be a, this is gonna be a storyline that's gonna be all over the place. I'm just bringing it up because Javi Baez is my shortstop. Like, yeah, there's, there's obviously there's no argument or dispute. I mean, why would he not be? It doesn't even feel like Edison Russell needs to be a, a fraction of involved with this team. Uh, defensively, defensively if, I'm it. just saying from a chess match. 
if you remove everything, the the hobby buys at second and Addison Russell at shortstop is like. On, I don't even know. I cannot think of a comparison. To but is it that valuable to you to that's no? That? I would say I said right away release him. I'm just saying the chess piece behind it. Yeah, like the the actual objective that's measures. The, that's the argument. Is yes. what you're saying is that yeah. it's that much better than like whatever else you could possibly so, put together. So it's he's true. not your shortstop, though. No, he's not. So what's his role? His role is he should get traded for some relief pitching. Okay, I don't know. It's and it's a will, horrible. Will situation. anyone take a flyer on that? Or I just want to toxic? acknowledge that the story's out there and it's going to yeah. detract you, and that hobby buys is your shortstop. So let's let's keep that in mind. The other thing is uh, on the subject of Addison Russell, he had a three forty slugging percentage last year. Mm-hmm. So like just so it's just so we're clear, he's not that good anyway. Yeah, it's yeah. like yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. just uh, like no Cesaris Torres has had like a three forty <laughs> slugging percentage, and then the last thing I have here. Joe Madden was uh, the quickest manager to 400 wins with a new team since Joe Torre in the mid mid to late 90s with the Yankees team. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming we remember those Yankee teams. Yeah, we do. We a little do. bit. So hat tip to Joe Madden. There was a cool story out there that he and Ben Zobrist, I guess, changed the lineup Sunday before the game. The Cubs put this new thing in where they're doing the lineup on a series-by-series basis because the young players don't like finding out the night before that they're in or not in the lineup. So they said in exit interviews, hey, and go the stories at the athletic from Patrick Mooney, my guy did a great job of this. But the story goes, they changed the way they put the lineups together and notified the players because it makes the players more comfortable. It's more millennial friendly, is what they said. Fucking so millennials. They had ruining baseball. They had Zobrist in the lineup on Sunday, and Bodie hit two home runs on Saturday. So Zobrist goes to Madden. He's like, "Take me out of the lineup on Sunday. I want you to play Bodie." And Madden was kind of in a tough spot because, mm-hmm. you know, Madden's lame duck season managing for yeah. his job. Do you go with Ben Zobris' instinct or do you do what the computer says and trust Theo? He started Bodie. He sat Zobrist, went with the veteran player, and then turned around and Zobrist hit the go-ahead double in the 15th. I hate to connect Joe Madden to the go-ahead double in the 15th and be like, well, he's so smart. Yeah, but he also took the bat out of his hands in the 13th. I, I know. I don't, <laughs> we don't have the line on this. I know. Did he or did Wilson Contreras? That's Wilson Contreras. Joe Madden wouldn't. Okay. You don't call that play from the dugout. That's totally on you as a base runner. So just be clear. Wilson Contreras getting like the trying to steal home to win the game. I like this story because it's a good story of a baseball manager making a decision with his fucking gut. When all we talk about is managers don't do anything these days. Managers don't have this or that. And Mm -hmm. it's a cool story of Bodie, who's playing his balls off, who's earning playing time. Zobrist, who's a fan favorite, who's always ready to fucking play. Great relationship with Madden going back 10 years. Little sit down. And the Cubs win their fifth series out of the last six series. They're 5-0-1. That was a huge series in Arizona. So very excited with where the Cubs are headed. They're 14-12. and The Cardinals are in first place at 17-10. and They're taxing the shit out of their bullpen. Their starting pitching looks like absolute dog shit. I would give that four or five weeks if that trend continues before you'd see where the where the fucking wheels start to fall off that. You cannot tax your bullpen in April and May. Just cannot do it. Nope. So, so we're feeling good. Those are, that's Cubs with Carl. How'd I do? You did, you did great. Like I got yeah. one final question. Any worry that, you know, Cubs are going to split Cy Young votes amongst each other? <laughs> they, got, they got so many guys. Like, they're all just Can you rolling. just give, like, one? Yeah, the Chicago, the Cy award? Young goes to the team award. To the Cubs. Goes to the pitching coach, yeah. Ed. Dave. Yeah. The Cubs rotation is going deep, deep, deep into games. It's lasting longer, and it's it's operating and rock, at a rock hard level. And what's I that think, remind you of? Dave? I think it reminds me of Roman. You know Roman, Mike. You like to get rock hard here and there. A lot, actually. I like. I know how you like to drug your dog with the CBD oil. Do you give Scotty any swipes for his red rocket and the smegma? Yeah, I like making sure he keeps his boners nice and stiff through the morning. Well, good. And how did you get those boners with Scotty and the Red Rockets? I mean, don't use Roman on your dog. Yeah. I'm joking. Yeah, Dave's a little off the... So uh, studies say that um, men don't always last as long as they hope. Obviously, that's not a study. That's just something that we've all dealt with. Mm -hmm. Um, Roman swipes are clinically proven to make you last longer in bed. They're effective, easy to use, fast acting. Doctor recommended and don't require a prescription. Roman can ship swipes to indiscreet unmarked packaging, and each swipe packet is small enough to hide in your wallet for whenever you need it. Because you never know when you're going to get laid, Mike, right? I never know, actually. We actually asked you that last week, and you actually are the one that does know when you're going to get laid. But are super easy to use. Just take the swipes out, apply um, let it dry, and you're good to go. Um, for a limited time only, with Roman, 
and Redline Radio, you get free two-day shipping. So go to GetRoman.com slash Redline, free two-day sh- shipping. You get all your uh, rectile dysfunction, dysfunction <laughs> drugs um, shipped to you in an unmarked package, like we said. And uh-huh. yeah, that's GetRoman.com slash Redline. And I'm going to go ahead and give myself a 45 for that. That was all right. Hmm. It wasn't your worst. Yeah, I thought it was kind of bad. But I hold myself to a higher a higher standard. Than I know all you guys. got messed Talk up about, with the, yeah. the wipes swipes thing, but you actually put a ch in there too. You're calling them a swipes, <laughs> like like you got uh, Roman swipes. Yeah, like a Schwinn, like a Schwinn. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, I do. Want to talk real quick mm-hmm. about something that's very important to the White Sox because I'm hoping that it's the last time I'm ever going to have to utter this ever again. They're picking top three this year in June, and I think I know what they're going to do. I think I got it pegged down for exactly what they're going to do. How do we get back to the White Sox? <laughs> no, but we can. I want to parlay this into the Cubs real quick too. Well, so I thought we were done do. with both, but okay. But it's just gonna it's gonna be real quick. So the Sox have the number three pick in the draft. Mm. Consensus number one pick is Adley Rutschman, catcher, Oregon State. Love that guy. Power hitting, switch hitting catcher that has every tool in the book. Great defensively. Yada yada yada. Next two guys are either. Um, Andrew Vaughn at Cal, power hitting first baseman, or Bobby Witt Jr., a shortstop out of a Texas high school. So what you would think they were going to do is just take whoever's available between the Cal first baseman, Andrew Vaughn, or mm-hmm. the uh, shortstop out of te- the Texas high school, Bobby Witt Jr. I think they're not going to do that. I think they're going to draft Hunter Bishop out of ASU. We met him, Mike, out uh, in Tempe when we were out there. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to go way under slot, and then they're going to draft this pitcher who is lighting the world on fire from Crystal Lake Central High School. Ooh. Have you heard of him? I, no, the Quinn, high school pitcher from Crystal Lake. Yeah, he's he's projected like uh, he's projected like middle late first round. So I mm. think they're going to go under slot with the third overall pick. Say they're going to say, "Hey, here's five million to Hunter Bishop," and then they're going to go big or go home and and try to get that second uh, pick with Quinn Preby. That's my prediction. And then for the Cubs. Who do you got? What do you guys got? The twenty fifth overall pick? Yeah, you know, I haven't thought about it because it's not for like seven weeks. But uh, <laughs> I think about the draft year round. I bet you do. So it's uh, it starts on Monday, June third. So uh, tune in the week before for my analysis. It's a little bit of a, it's a little bit more than a month away. But this is the hypothetically the last time the White Sox should be picking ever this high again for the next decade. So we'll tune in on that. I, I don't know what the Cubs will do. They'll probably pick somebody who. You know, it's like pretty good, and um, I mentioned you know, Quinn Preeby. I don't know. I trust these guys. The Cubs are heavy, heavy, heavy on him because he's hypothetically should be the best player available when they're drafted. So I'm not trying to be a dick, but mm-hmm. since the Cubs got good, my interest level is in like at Addison and Clark. I'm still interested in the draft. The Hawks are picking third. That we're gonna have a watch party for that, Dave. I feel like you announced that we're having a, our uh, stool at the cell. Yeah, bar stool at the cell is June 29th. June so 29th. So save the date. Are tickets available yet? Uh, I should have the link today or tomorrow, some someday soon. But it's keep an official. eye out for that. Yeah. All right. I don't have a grab bag, but we do have the Cubs uh, or the White Sox have Dog Day tonight. I'll be there with Scotty Puppin. So this will air afterwards, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm still bringing it up anyways because I like Dog Day, Dave. I hate Dog Day. Um, I would, Dave hates I, dogs. I. Hear me out. Would you ever bring George to Dog Day at the park? Yeah, I would. That's got to be the most miserable thing ever. They piss and shit everywhere. They're not paying attention to the game like they should be. Like, how the fuck is he better, supposed to know? Better yeah, Jose than my apartment. Quintana is commanding his fastball better than he's ever commanded it before if he's trying to fuck the dog in front of him. Exactly. He's not. So You're um, in some kind of mood, man. So, yeah. Did you I, lose your wallet this weekend? I, no, I, I didn't, actually. <laughs> Um, thank God I didn't because there was plenty of Roman swipes in there. All right, great bag um, number two, snowstorm. Eddie, did you build a snowman? No, I didn't build a snowman, but it was it was it was a weird Saturday. It like, sucked. Yeah, why did they have to get us on a Saturday? Shit. But it was all right. It made me feel like it was football season because I was wow, I was sitting yeah. in front of the bear TV, weather. Bear watch weather. bear weather, watching the draft. So great rest Saturday. I love when mm-hmm. the shitty weather allows you to recuperate, charge the batteries. Yeah, it kind of worked out. The shitty weather, the only thing good about it is, like you said, it is an excuse to not do anything, not talk to anybody, and just sit on your couch, order some fried food, and not do anything or talk to a soul. So that's what I did. All right, last mm-hmm. weekly bicycle update. I'm starting to become an angry biker. Like, I know why bikers get mad at cars and stuff. Like, you're working as hard as you can. You're trying to stay in the bike lane. Like, you're doing everything you can to get point A, point B. Just, like, get the fuck out of here. So when cars are just driving like jerks and stuff... But this flare-up came with another biker because I'm learning etiquette, and I don't know biking etiquette. 
And apparently I was following this guy too close. I he had like three or four links in front of me and we were weaving through state through the loop and there's no bike lane. So I was just trying to get back to the south loop. And this guy turned at me in a loop and he's like, you want to give me some space? And I was like, is there a fucking problem? And he's like, no. And I was like, what the fuck, man? Like, we're hauling ass down here. There's fucking bus. What do you mean? He's like, you're, you're kind of on me a little bit. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, oh, I'm sorry, man. He took it right. But that's etiquette. I'm learning this stuff. So just like if you listen, you're a biker, you see me out there, I'm learning, I'm grinding, I'm doing what I can. I want to be part of the community. I See, I don't think you want to be a part of that community. So tell them to work a little bit harder. You, Stop you being can, so slow on see, your you your your heart rate's pumping, your blood's pumping, so you're just like your testosterone's just like at like probably like a twenty percent incline. Yeah, so you're just, you. yeah, pushing the pace. You can be a, a you can be a person who rides bikes without a, being a bicycler. You don't want yeah. to be a bicycler, right? Bicycler. You don't want to be in the bike community. You just yeah, I just want to I want to be accepted though. Like, I don't want to like going to meetings and stuff and like hosting a <laughs> fan club. But like if I show up, I don't want anyone to look at me and be like, "Who's this fucking guy?" Like I belong. Are you I in a Facebook group or no? No, I'm not. No, no, no. Just okay. my community local precinct 22 group. Yeah. All right. So okay. No, I, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean you're trying to learn. You're like you're like proceeding with caution if you want to be a bicyclist. I assume. You know, last question. I went out shopping yesterday for a little bit with my old lady before the Cubs game, and I'm curious. I was looking at shoes. I want to mm-hmm. get a good pair of shoes for the summer. I don't like ordering shoes on. You come line. to the right place. And I was curious, like, what makes a good summer shoe in Chicago? You got a lot of festivals, ball games. You know, if you get some mustard on it, I don't know. Put it out there. A good summer shoe. Uh, sandal with jeans. Oh, that's, <laughs> that Chief's is, a big sandal with jeans guy. That's, a, that's just an outrageous move. And I'm, I'm, you're joking right now, but you're not joking. You actually do pull that. That's yeah, disgusting. I think it's a First of all, when it's look. July or June and it's 85 degrees, a ton of humidity, who goes to a baseball game in jeans? Oh, we're not talking about that. We're talking yeah. about a good shoe for this. And we're not here to like rag on Chief because he wears jeans and sandals. It's a long-standing joke. We're we're one, running way too long on the show. I just okay. want to wrap this up. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it right here. All right, for what's the, what's the occasion? Just straight it's, summer. You're buying a shoe. For, this is the hardest question I've ever asked. <laughs> you're buying a shoe. And I have the shoes, shoes for every occasion, though. They're all Air Force Ones, though. No, they're not. I got Sorry, Jordans. Jordans. I got Jordans. I'm wearing Jordans right now. Shoes are tough. I you got know, Jordans. They're, like, they're hard to stay ahead of the curve on. You know, you don't know what's acceptable with shorts, what's acceptable with jeans. You know, it's the shoes, why, shoes it, are tough to navigate. You're okay, right. Here. And that's why you just got to find out what you like. I do either sandals or get Alberts. They're Ooh. breathable. They're no nice. free ads. No free ads, though. But Go and get yourself a pair. I was in the Alberts store yesterday. That's what made me think about it. Get some. Go and get yourself right a now. pair of Nike Pegasuses. That is how you say it, Ed. Don't fuck with me. Uh, really good running shoe, but they're good for all occasions as well. So, like, I'll wear those to a baseball game. All right. So, Eric Pegasus, mm-hmm. Eddie just Eddie, they're tough. Eddie's gonna come back next week with a review with like his fucking like high top cleats. Eddie, you had, when you were a kid, what's the longest stretch you had where you wore the same pair of shoes? I have to say, it's at least two years. I'm usually I, get, I was usually a one a year guy. Yeah, that sounds about right. One a year, typically, and like at ma- the beginning of the school year. Yeah, if they make it through the winter, like that's a feat in itself. Like, that's not easy to do. Mm-hmm. So they make it through the winter, like, you could go one a year. Not not including your basketball shoes. No, of course. You had to have the basketball shoes that go on the bag, even though... Yes. Some people just carry it right in the box. Like, they just pull it off the shelf at Foot Locker or Champs, whichever you prefer. All right. If you have a disgusting pair of shoes that's going to make their way around the city of Chicago after this winter, if, you, if you're one of those guys that says, actually, these winter shoes, these are the only shoes I'm wearing for the festivals, send us a picture, tag uh, White Sox Dave, and uh, and ask him to rate how fucking disgusting your shoes are. I got a couple pair of boat shoes that fucking, they smell like Oh, asshole. my God. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, the, the hockey locker room. Remember do that we, smell? That's uh-huh. what my boat shoes smell like. Anyways, do we have voicemails today? Yeah, we got three of them. Okay. Hey, this is Brian from my nurse. I did not play football against White Sox days. I was just at the White Sox game when they struck out 20 to tie the MLB record. That was definitely one of the coolest moments that I've been to a game. was wondering what your, your guys' coolest moment being in a game was. Uh, thanks, Eva. Easy for me. I was at game one of the 2005 ALDS against the Red Sox. I was super nervous. The Red Sox had just broken their curse. White Sox won 14-2 and beat the absolute shit out of the Red Sox. The stadium was fucking electric that day. This is one that I know Mike and I have bonded over before. Game three, NLDS. Cubs versus Braves, 2003. Maddox versus Pryor. Wow. Cubs won 3-1. to one. Mm-hmm. It was a night, perfect night weather for a, a night game at Wrigley in October. It was awesome. Two-hitter. I think Pryor th- threw two. And you know who had the big RBI single? 
Derek Lee. Simon, right? Yep. Randall Simon. Oh, yeah. The guy who okay, beat the right. sausages. Yep. And then they traded for him for Randall nothing. Randall Simon? I fucking love that guy. You were a big Randall. I do. When Ed and I met for the first time, I think we talked about this game for like 15, 20 minutes. I might have pulled up the box score on my phone. <laughs> yeah, dude. I'm telling you, Randall Simon. I, he beat up the sausages, though. I'll stay on the same vein before hand back to Chief. That one's up there, and then just in the same season, game two, NLCS at home. I think the Cubs won that game like 14-2 to two or something. It was a fucking launching pad at home plate. Sammy Sosa hit a ball over the TV tower that's just to the left of the center field scoreboard. Estimated distance is 521 feet. Yeah, I'd say for me, obviously, it's going to be a Hawks. There's been a lot of them, but the one that stands out is Brent Seabrook, Game 7 against Detroit in overtime. So I was at that game, like, randomly. It was, like, given one ticket. So I was there with some, some guy I'd never met before. It was like, I have a buddy, and it was he had gave one to his other buddy, and then he gave one to me, and we had never met, but, like, became fast friends that night. And obviously, like, unbelievable game. The disallowed goal at the end by John Merson heading into overtime. They had just come back from 3-1 down to tie the series unbelievable against your against your rival and then uh Seabrook the winner and then go on to win the cup so it was it was awesome that was what, what's one. bigger so watching like nba what's like a 60 point game or something mm-hmm. like that would you put a perfect game up there like what what ranks up there with with hockey how rare is a four goal game pretty rare i mean i, I they also seem kind of random like if you ask me if would i rather see a perfect game or well, a i guess because his question is more it. like such a random game you know, he's saying like that was the best game he's been to, and it was like a that was a random feat. I was at the game when the Hawks came. were down five. It was a regular season game. They're down five nothing to Calgary and came back one six five. That was in like two thousand and nine. Uh, that was awesome. Um, so that, was, that those are probably my top two. So if I'm gonna have a random regular season, <laughs> yeah. that would be huh. it. Those are actually kind of fun. That would be a fun quote. 